0: WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com.
1: Mike Braun makes a big splash in the Senate GOP primary. Eric Holcomb makes a push against the drug epidemic. That, plus a study says Joe Donnelly is ineffective, and more. On Indiana Week in Review for the week ending October 6th, 2017.
2: Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.
1: This week, Republican State Representative Mike Braun announced he'd brought in a million dollars last quarter for his U.S. Senate bid. Braun raised about $200,000 in the third quarter of 2017 and injected about $800,000 of his own money into his campaign. The Jasper business owner and two-term GOP state representative says he'll continue to fund his campaign using so-called grassroots donations and, notably, his own money. Braun says his two chief competitors in the primary race, Congressman Luke Messer and Todd Rakita, are funding their campaigns with money from special interests, while he sets himself up as a true D.C. outsider. Does Braun's third quarter vault him into serious contention in the Senate race? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike O'Brien, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Indiana Public Broadcasting State House reporter Brandon Smith. Ann Delaney, considering how much of his own money he put in here, what does that say for Braun's staying power in this race?
0: Well, I mean... If the reports of what he's worth are correct and he's prepared to put several million dollars of his own cash in it, he can stay as long as he wants. So, uh, you know, he's obviously going to be a factor. Um, I I find it hard to, you know, all of this seems to be a campaign against the elites and the power structure. If you can write a check for a $3 million primary campaign, you've got to be considered one of the elites, it seems to me. But he's obviously in the race. And if somebody's looking for an alternative to the food fight between the two other yokels out there, I mean, he might be a credible candidate.
1: We've talked before on this program about how Mike Braun has a path because of... The food fight, if you want to use that term between Rokita and I think Messer. It's jammed, spirited actually. Debate. <laughs> the spirited debate between what so democracy and Messer. is all about. Right. But uh, what is sure. what yeah. does this third quarter do to to make that a more serious possibility?
3: Well, I mean he's in it, right? So I mean he had to he had to go hit a million bucks and, and unfortunately that's kind of a threshold for credibility in, in politics, but campaigns cost money and this one's this primary's probably gonna cost three to five million, kind of three on the low side and five on the high side. Rokita's pretty close to uh, to the low end, um, as is, is Messer, who's, uh, who's running a little bit behind him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's in it. There's no doubt about it. And there's, um, he's a successful businessman. He's been an articulate um, state legislator, uh, particularly on the issue of, of health care and how it affects employers, uh, which is going to be a big topic next year. Um, so he is absolutely in it. Now, the organizational threshold is the other one. You have to turn that money into an effective campaign organization because a statewide campaign is obviously difficult. One, the, the barrier to just get on the ballot and get the signatures that you need to be on the ballot is, is a difficult one. Um, and then the organization to sustain kind of a statewide presence over that time is is, is a big big deal, too. So what is the next thing
1: Mike Braun needs to do? Almost slipped up there. <laughs> uh,
0: he's brawned out.
2: Yeah. Well, he's done the biggest thing. I mean, step one, this had to happen because now he will I think it's safe to say this. The way we talk about, and I'm not saying this panel, but the way we collectively talk about this race, I think, will be fundamentally different. It'll be a. We'll talk about it, and we'll inevitably mention three names as opposed to two as we had had done before. Which you, I think, have to do because when you put that million dollars on the table, that indicates that you're in to the, as, you know, as far as it'll take you. You're willing to spend more. He's indicated, uh, and it's interesting. He turned it into a. A virtue, you know. Some would say, you know, gee, you wanted to get to a million, you raised two hundred, so you write yourself a check for eight hundred thousand. I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, anything can be turned into a virtue or a a vice. In this case, he's saying my opponents uh, are, you know, having to put their hands out for special interests and and sucking uh, out of that trough, suggesting that there might be some conflicts. Whereas I uh, can can stay pure, take small dollar donations and uh, self-finance so it's an interesting take uh i'm i'm sure if somebody said would you rather have the 800,000 and you can write yourself a 200,000
1: check he,
4: <laughs> might, he, might, he
1: might be willing to uh, put you know take that
2: he too he's a good
4: businessman yeah yeah, yeah he, knows, right. he knows he's the bottom line
1: do you think that sort of ratio between self-funding and and what he's
4: raised do you think that will change and does it need to I think it'll help him uh, certainly in his own finances, uh, but also I think from a perception perspective, if that four to one turns to one to four um, but uh, I think that that uh, horning into the discussion um, gives him that opportunity he 's relatively unknown, so in addition to building a a, a uh, campaign apparatus, he also has to make himself known. He has to do much more in that regard than uh, Rokita or Messer do because of their status as congressman. So uh, I think the next test for him is to use some of that million dollars to expand his name ID and uh, build on the donor base that he has. If he does that successfully, then it could be a very interesting primary. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an
1: unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, is Mike Braun a serious threat to beat Todd, Rokita, and Luke Messer in the Senate GOP primary? A, yes, or B, no. Last week's question, will President Trump's tax reform proposal have more success than health care reform has had so far? 25% say yes, 75% say no. If you would like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Well, Governor Eric Holcomb this week authored an op-ed in which he labeled the opioid epidemic a key focus of his administration. Holcomb pledged that under his leadership, the state will aggressively attack the ongoing substance abuse crisis. He also cited steps his administration has taken so far, including the creation of a drug czar, better tracking of patient prescription history across the state, and a push for greater access to treatment options. The state this week also launched a new website that aims to be a one-stop shop for medical professionals, law enforcement, and Hoosier citizens who need information about the opioid crisis and available resources. Mike O'Brien, I think many people have been waiting to see on which big issue Holcomb would really take the lead. Is that wait over? Well, one, I think he's been leading in, in a number of different areas. Uh, during the legislative
3: session, he passed 25 out of 27 um, of the governor's agenda uh, bills. Those were focused on infrastructure, workforce, and the opiate crisis. Um, and all these things are interrelated. Um, and he started from the beginning. So he, he created this, um, uh, this is our position, this cabinet-level appointment that, c- that can coordinate all these state agencies and has, really has a lot of authority with it to do that. By the end of January, um, the state had filed a, a waiver to the Healthy Indiana Plan that expanded um, coverage of um, substance abuse issues. Um, but you're right, he's, he's, he's focusing... Um, more on this but he's really he's focused in three areas because it it does affect workforce first and foremost which affects the economy and infrastructure and all the other things that that the legislature and and uh, republicans and the governor are are rightly focused on
1: this is a lot of people i've talked to they're very happy to see this sort of focus from the top down what's to you what's the next thing that now has to happen he has to
0: get serious about it I mean, he talks about dealing with the opiate crisis, and what does he do? Twice he tries to get Obamacare repealed, okay? HIP 2.0, which is Obamacare, covers 25, 25% of the people on that, of the adults on it, have substance abuse problems, and he wanted to cut them all off. No, he didn't. You can't, I'm sorry, he called for the no, repeal you wanted, of Obamacare. He wanted the state to be wanted, in charge of it. If, if you, you were to repeal Obamacare, you were going to deny coverage to 25% of the people that are on there with with substance abuse problems. So if you're going to get serious, you don't let your ideology trump what's good for Hoosiers. And he's not serious. I mean, you can appoint a czar. Okay, great, terrific. They can have meetings. Great, terrific. But if you're not going to do something substantive, you're not going to deal with the crisis. And he's failed miserably in that regard.
4: What does something substantive look like? Well, I think that um, in terms of substance um, he has done some things of substance. I think Mike outlined several of those, and I do think it's important from a sy- symbolic perspective to keep the issue alive, but to direct resources, to appoint somebody. Now I take your point, Ann, at, at face value and, and agree, um, you know, you eliminate the uh, Affordable Care Act and you make it very difficult to keep uh, HIP 2.0 uh, functioning at all, much less at a level that allows you to cover more people who have opioid problems. Uh, But uh, I think we've seen substantive moves so far. Uh, He has to sustain that momentum because uh, the crisis is very real. Uh, It affects a lot of people, and it has a wide ripple throughout the state, not just on the the folks who are afflicted with this or their families, but also, as Mike said, the economy. So um, I'm I'm at a point where, you know, the exception noted. Uh, I think he's made good progress in this, and... um, needs to continue to make that progress, and substance means fewer people uh, who are addicted to opioids, uh, people who are back in the workforce and productive, um, back with their families and keeping their families together. That's when we'll see real that progress. That means
0: getting them treatment, and if you're going to deny them treatment by, by repealing the ACA, the rest of it's it rhetoric.
2: seems to me if you're looking for signs of evidence of sincerity, uh, that he uh, that this is not just the the flavor of the month commitment, I think it does exist, and the best example would probably be going into this year 's legislative session and you think back to the state of the state address. Yes, there we talked about the Czar and some of the other things, but what I thought was perhaps most indicative of his sincerity was his vigorous defense of needle exchanges uh, because and not could you have to look at the context I mean he followed. Uh, A governor governor that, uh, to a large extent, was kicking and screaming. Initially nothing, and then still you had to go through a series of hoops. hoops. Uh, If locals wanted to do it, you had to get state state approval, and then funding had to be certain. And so for him to stake out a position and articulate that, even in his first State of the State address, uh, and I'm guessing... That didn't go unnoticed. That, that he took that with some more conservative uh, portions of the uh, Republican Party who who are suspicious of needle, needle exchanges as an, aiding and abetting uh, the uh, users. General. So I think there is evidence that. that well, this, I think that's, that,
3: that's that's one of the he, political reasons for the for the statement that he made here is because some conservatives, especially who don't support needle exchange and don't support intervention in the, in the doctor's office and, and the other things that um, that the legislature and the governor have done. Uh, are wondering why are we doing all this for people who are drug drug addicts, really? And so he's trying to he's while he's doing productive things, he's also trying to fight this perception that. We just, these people just need to get their act together, right? Well, I mean, that that right. is impressive die, buy, buy, which is, which some is, some is
0: basically what the attorney general said. We shouldn't even so be why, providing him. emergency and services. that's the reason he's been more,
3: I think he's been more, yeah. been, will well, be well, more he have been, It
0: would have been more impressive if he had not called for the repeal of the Affordable Care Everything's Act. Everything's Obamacare,
1: A Study from, among others, professors at Vanderbilt and Virginia this week labeled Joe Donnelly as the least effective Democratic senator in Congress. The study, which looked at lawmakers in the 2015-2016 session and earlier, relied primarily on reviewing legislation each member of Congress sponsored and how far those bills got. The analysis showed Donnelly sponsored few so-called substantive bills and advanced a small number of them. The Donnelly campaign disputes the finding, noting it doesn't take into account bills included in other pieces of legislation, as is the case with several of Donnelly's military and veteran mental health initiatives. The campaigns of Todd Rokita and Luke Messer gleefully shared the results, with Messer saying Donnelly is part of a broken Senate. The study also ranked former Senator Dan Coats as the second-least effective GOP senator, and it labeled Rokita's performance as a lawmaker as below-effective. John Schwannis, is it a fair charge to label Joe Donnelly as the least effective Democratic senator? Well, I don't question the numbers. I'm sure the data are what they are. But it's
2: by using a label such as effective or ineffective, it's so subjective. I mean, might as well do, you know, the sexiest. Let's rank the, the in terms of their sex appeal, the members of uh, the U.S. Senate and the House.
0: Well, You're that going would be very hard. Well, really. I know that's probably a bad example. <laughs> for those of
2: you now having nightmares at home, I, uh, I, I apologize for your in, in, insomnia tonight. But it's, uh, you know, people, effectiveness is judged in different ways. There are a lot of people, uh, certainly in the U.S. House over the decades, who have been elected time and time again because of their incredible constituent uh, service and casework. Uh, I mean, that's the bread and butter of a lot of people. And also, yes, you, you sometimes may be in a, in a championing uh, a cause, but sometimes effectiveness can be stopping uh, a piece of legislation that's coming down the, the tracks, and you're throwing your body in front of it, saying, you know, there but for my efforts, we would have had this. The legislation that would be horrible. And again, again you look at the, the the amendment process and some of the things he's done. There's a valid argument that that is, you know, back in the olden days, at least, that's the way things got done. You'd right. have that's you'd right. have a uh, uh, you'd have amendments Bipartisan on the floor. Bipartisan so, or committee so, work. I guess I'm saying, you know, there's more that to goes into to that.
1: to. Uh, uh, to Determining an effective. Uh, so, for record. Republicans, Rokita and Messer in the National Party, this is obviously feeding into this narrative they're trying to build that Joe Donnelly isn't an effective senator, that he doesn't really represent Hoosier's interests. Uh, is this easy for Joe Donnelly to push back against, or is this starting to feed into the narrative they're trying to build?
4: Well, I think he'll make a good argument against it. The, the danger, I think, at least initially, is making the argument that he's the least effective and that's a terrible thing, and then on the other hand saying, but he supported all of these other things that we think are terrible, and so he's really effective at that but not effective at this. And it just seems to run cross-currents and starts to sound like so much noise at a certain time. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the Republicans play this out on its face, it looks like a nice charge to take against him. But, you know, when they're ac- accusing him of being so effective at promoting all of these other things that they don't like and then to turn around and say he's ineffective, does not I think it's a dissonance that won't really mean anything. This is an easy thing to to put out there. Study. Least effective Democratic senator. If
1: you're Joe Donnelly, how do you... Well, what
0: you do is you talk about what you've done. I mean, he's been a champion of veterans' rights on the suicide bill, on opening the new uh, veterans' uh, clinic in Mishawaka. He's done... A lot with mental health and with opiate addiction because he works quietly behind the scenes across party lines, and that's why he's effective. and And the constituent services you cannot fault. So you've got a combination of people with experiences with him who know that he's worked on those issues. He's worked on some of the issues for the coal um, uh, workers in Southern Indiana, and they know that and they appreciate it. And he's been a very effective. Who's your senator?
1: Like I said, this is part of a narrative that Republicans, especially the national Republicans, but Messer and Orquita have been trying to build for a while. Is that one that's going to be effective against Joe Donnelly come next fall?
3: Well, I think it is because this is proof of what we have been saying. Um, and the one and the one thing that it is—it's nonpartisan study that that proves that he's the, most, the least effective uh, 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 U.S. Uh. senator. And the one thing Ann just said, and it's been said on here before. Um, He's great at constituent services. If you need a passport expedited, he's your man, right? But if, if, if when it comes time to lower your insurance premiums or, or reform the tax code for the middle class, we'll see. He's nowhere Whoa, to be found. We're
0: not talking about reforming the tax code for the middle class. We're talking about <laughs> making right. Donald a, Trump. That, Trump that seems
1: to me a the different other, conversation, perhaps. Yeah. The other ineffective Trump senator. Richard. Who was that? I'm trying to remember. And Dan uh, Coats. That's it. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. He's <laughs> that got lost. He's not in running there. next year. He's I'm sure yeah. that'll be good part thing. Of, <laughs> that'll be part of the ad, I'm sure, as well. exactly. A report this week says Vice President Mike Pence's new chief of staff told. GOP donors the party needs to, quote, purge anti-Trump lawmakers from Congress. Nick Ayers, who joined Pence's team a few months ago, reportedly made the remarks behind closed doors to wealthy Republican donors. He warned that GOP lawmakers will be decisively defeated in 2018 if they don't start delivering some of President Trump's priorities. Ayers suggested donors both threaten to withhold fundraising and vow to back opponents if lawmakers don't rally around Trump's agenda. And he suggested the donors help rally lawmakers to oust current congressional
4: leadership. John
1: Katzenberger, will this rallying call
4: be effective among major party donors? Well, that's certainly his aim, and I guess we'll see. Uh, But when you start using words like purge... You're going to get people's attention. And a lot of those people are going to be people who say, hey, wait a minute, what are you talking about here? I mean, uh, are we talking about a putsch in the government or something like that? Uh, and so I think he's certainly got the attention of people who are on the other side of the aisle. And, and, um, and they're making the case as, you know, they're really a problem in the Republican Party. And they're, they're looking at the, the schism that seems to exist uh, between factions in the party. And so um, if they were intending to send a message to one part and say, get on board or get out, um, I think they've also awakened many other factions or many other um, um, groups who might want to work against them as well. Will
1: the donor class be receptive to a message like this?
4: I'm not sure. I mean, those who value
2: the institution and the the way things were set up, which, as we mentioned a moment ago, actually had hearings and amendments and give and take. I doubt they'll, they'll be appreciative of this. Um, you know, if this were five years ago and you had the chief of staff and the vice president's office talking about purging, I think it would have been a pretty big story. Now, granted, we're talking about it, but it's what item, one, two, three, whatever four, four. Yeah, and, and it's for. And we'll be talking about it probably after this week, um, in part because we have become I mean, jaded, I guess. What would have been a shocking comment? Numbed to uh, We would have been, you know, might have caused our jaws to, to, to drop five years ago. Now it's, we hear so much, and it's so much vitriol and so much uh, rancor uh, going every direction now.
1: It's, it's almost par of the course, it seems. This could have, the you will have people, as John did just did, that, that suggest this at least has the appearance of the, uh, a schism in the GOP or at least the potential for such a thing. Is that what's happening
3: here? I think there's frustration. Um, I've known Nick for a long time, and unlike Joe Donnelly, he's a man of action. He's a doer. And uh, things aren't getting done. Um, and so I don't think he's trying to, the, the, the context of the, the statement leading in here was he was trying to influence donors. I think he's reflecting their frustration. Uh, and frustration within the uh, within the party that um, that we're not getting enough done quickly enough.
2: But that's not the whole party. Yeah, he's, talking, he's, talking he's talking to, to, he's talking to a the tea party. Self selected. He's, talking, self-selected self-selected he's talking
0: to the tea party. He's what he's trying to do is obviously battle for the soul, what's left of it, of the Republican Party, and he wants it all on the alt right. That's what he wants. And I wish him all the success in the world.
1: Do you think an anti-Trump purge is is really legitimately possible next an next anti-Trump
0: year? purge? Yeah.
1: A purge of anti-Trump law. Oh, Boy, you got her excited oh. there for a minute.
0: Well, I think the latter is, I think, I think my yes yes. my anti-Trump <laughs> purge is more likely, actually, uh, among regular voters. The problem is with the redistricting in Congress, I think there is potential there, because it's been the gerrymandering is so bad that I think there is a potential for uh, for the uh, Tea Party to oust people they perceive as anti-Trump. Yes.
1: Well, I think the Supreme Court's going to tell
0: us whether there's well, gerrymandering we'll or not. Well, we'll see. Maybe.
1: Well, the Indianapolis Business Journal this week reported that former Department of Workforce Development Commissioner Steve Braun, who left that office to run for Congress, used ex-colleagues to build a key data tool. Under Braun, the DWD put into use a database to predict future job demands in hundreds of positions. But that tool was developed by Inquidia Consulting out of Chicago, a firm created by several of Braun's former employees at an IT consulting firm he sold in 2004. And Braun's son was an Inquidia employee while it worked for DWD. Braun sold his shares in the company before it made its bid to the state, but he championed them during the process, though state officials say he wasn't involved in choosing the firm for the contract. And, Lenny, even if Steve Braun, who I should note is the brother of Mike Brown, who we talked about at the top of the show, even if Steve Braun didn't actually violate any conflict of interest statutes, which I don't believe anybody is alleging, uh, is this a process a little too unseemly for your liking?
0: Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, not only is it a, a payment made to an entity with, uh, with, uh, associated with people with whom he used to work, uh, and not only was it done through a conduit so you couldn't see it on first blush, but it also goes to the entity that employs his son. Yeah, it looks terrible. And I give the IBJ all kinds of credit for bringing it out. And the biggest problem, it seems to me, from Mike Braun's perspective, is you've got two Braun's both running at the same time for federal office. And how many voters are going to distinguish between the two?
1: I actually want to ask about that first.
0: (laughs) Do Steve and Mike have a problem...
1: In
3: terms of voters distinguishing between the two of them, no, I think they complement each other. I mean, we've seen that we, we, we have a we have a state representative Young who we believe won in in Johnson County, won a primary in Johnson County because Todd Young was very well known there. Um, so
0: you don't think it was on the I basis this, of his abilities? I think
3: the, I think these guys I think this name ID that's a name ID issue, right? It's not sure. um, that I think will will complement each other on this on the substance of this. Um, Ed Delaney was quoted in this, and and I agree with him that Steve Braun is a man of the highest character. Uh, maybe he could have got. He, you look kind of look in hindsight and go, could I did I, I did this? I, I w- was well intended. Did it the right way? Could I could I have done it better in a different order? Um, the issue we 're talking about here is the the building of a very complex i t system within state government, and there 's not you can 't just go in the phone book and find these people, so I get that when we're in, when we 're talking about public dollars and we see okay well, this guy ha- has some decision making authority in, over this contract and he hired somebody that he, he knows well that that, that that looks bad, oftentimes it's because you just know what they're capable of. You just know that they can deliver for you. So You're it not the short answer to the question, he could have done it money. better?
0: You avoided the yes or no. Could he have done it better?
3: I think, I think there, you always have that conversation on the back end of these things.
0: So the answer is yes.
1: I want to ask about the data tool itself. So, so
3: the
1: aggressive baby, an aggressive baby. I like that. I want to ask about the data tool itself because there are questions raised about that. It's 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 this data tool that will that's supposed to identify the jobs in the future that we'll need positions for, and and the DWD is putting a lot of eggs in that basket. What happens if it's wrong? <laughs> Unplug it, I guess. I I i I'm,
2: I I always worry a little bit about, I mean, yes, technology can can give us a leg up on other states in terms of, uh, you know, knowing where job growth uh, will occur. But the problem is there's so many uh, factors in that algorithm, I would think, uh, that you can't. I mean, we are, this is still run by human beings who uh, any number of things, economic, uh, militaristic. Maybe we
0: should any, have hired a soothsayer.
2: Any types of things. So, I mean, I, I think that's a bit of a wild card. The only thing I can say with certainty on this issue is that uh, Ed Delaney will be sleeping on the couch for the, this, the rest of this week. <laughs> that, that, I think, is a given.
1: John, what, so. what, what troubles you more, the process by which this contract was earned or the fact that we're putting so many eggs in this data tool basket?
4: Um, actually, the process, I think, is the troubling factor here. It could have been handled better, uh, should have been handled better. Uh, it also gives a hard time. Next time the Democrats hear about Joe Donnelly's conflicts of interest with his business, I'm sure they'll trot this back out.
0: Oh, of course, he's given all his profits to charity. I'm sure that, that Steve Braun's son and all of his friends will do the same thing, I'm sure.
1: Although we also noted that he was disappointed he sold the shares when he did because he could have gotten a lot more money for it. Uh, if he had waited. Is that not a good sign if you're Steve Braun in this story? I'd like to just go back to Joe Donnelly for a minute. <laughs>
0: about, uh, <laughs> go uh, back to Michael That's Indiana We can in Review
1: there, for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike O'Brien, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. I'm Brandon Smith of Indiana Public Broadcasting. Join us next time because a lot can happen in an Indiana Week.
4: Ice Miller is
2: proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.